0: No, you don't want it? You think I'm going to put it on you? I'll put it right here. Here, Barry. You hold on to that. Halter. Lead. Friends, would you please open your Bible to Luke chapter 19. You can find that in your pew Bible on page 878. Luke 19, verses 28 to 40, page 878 in your Pew Bible. Listen now to God's word. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord God, we we thank you. We praise you, Father, for this, this day that we celebrate your son's arrival to the city, known to be the city of peace. Lord God, we pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear. You would soften our hearts this day. Lord God, that we would hear a good word from you. And so, Lord, that can only happen by the empowering of your Holy Spirit. No amount of preparation, no amount of presentation uh, can reach Uh, any of us to any lasting effect. So I pray, Lord, that the simple words that I've prepared and the meditation upon my heart would be wholly acceptable to you this day. Amen. What if the owners of the colt had refused it, (laughs) had refused to untie it? Maybe there would be no story of the triumphal entry, at least not according to Jesus' plans. But things work out always according to Jesus' plans. He uses ordinary people and everyday things as a means of advancing his kingdom. We see it again and again, but it's here in 2020 vision. And the Lord has a plan for you plans for you and for me to untie our colt and to lay it loose for his purposes. My main point this morning is this. I want you to imagine this, that God wants to untie your colt to enter another city or another neighborhood or another person's heart to further his kingdom. Palm Sunday is a day in which we mark Jesus' entrance into the city of Jerusalem, the beginning of his last week living on earth. In the first nine chapters of Luke's gospel, we read the same thing over and over again, and we could study this. Maybe many of you, I'm sure, have read Luke's gospel. We see Jesus healing, performing miracles and signs and wonders, and we see him teaching, and in every turn, he warns people to be quiet. So he touches someone, changes their life, heals them, and says, shh, don't say a word. The time has not come. The time was not yet until you get to Luke chapter 9. And Luke chapter 9, verse 51, is the hinge on which the whole gospel turns. If you have your own Bible, I encourage you to mark that and write the word hinge. Luke 9, 51 says, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, He set his face to go to Jerusalem. And the whole narrative changes at that point. Everything moves faster. There are still healings and miracles and signs and wonders and incredible teaching. But at every turn, Jesus doesn't say, shush. He says, let everybody know. In fact, I'm going to go out on Sabbath and heal people just to stir the pot. And he's heading very, very quickly towards Jerusalem from chapter 9 all the way to 19 where we find ourselves today. And then verse 38, it's saying the people rejoice and shout, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The long awaited one. The king of Israel. God's promised one. The son of David, the Messiah, has finally come. And this is the day to shout and to praise. And the Pharisees are freaking out. What do the Pharisees say? They say, tell your disciples to shut up. Shh, keep it down. But instead of doing that, Jesus does the opposite. He says, I tell you, if these were silent, the rocks and stones themselves would start to sing. Do you remember that from uh, Jesus Christ Superstar? I I can't sing choir Well, next time, you know that part. And the Pharisees, he is dangerous. And the people just keep singing. This is the turning point into the last week of Jesus' ministry. And part of his plan had everything to do with riding in on a donkey's colt. Why? Why? Well, for one thing, it fulfilled prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, which reads uh, Rejoice, O people of Zion, shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. And so Jesus fulfills that prophecy here. On Palm Sunday, there's another reason. It's a powerful symbol for Jesus to ride in on such a humble beast. The Roman generals would ride in on a war horse, symbolizing that they have conquered. In fact, the Romans would ride in every year around Passover just to remind those those Hebrews. Who was in charge? Just to stick their finger in their eye at Passover, their greatest, most holy celebration. And so they would ride in on their war horses. But not our king. Not our king. Not the true king. The true king rides in on a humble cult of peace. Now, I've been looking at this passage all week, and lots of questions come up. Maybe they're side questions, but they're, they're interesting questions to consider. For instance, how on earth did Jesus know there would be an unridden colt tied up in that village for his disciples to get? How did he know they would be there? And how is it that this colt was unridden? And if it was unridden, because we can see here it was tied up so it wasn't trained, how, how did his disciples coax an untrained Cold of a donkey up the hill. Can you imagine they're trying to pull a donkey up a hill a couple of miles to get to Jesus? And somehow Luke doesn't say that there was any trouble. They untied it and walked up the hill. How does that happen? A serviceable animal like this was of great value in that day. How is it that the owners gave it up so easily? It was the equivalent of a car, a truck, and a tractor all in one. A huge sacrifice. But do you think the owners had any idea that their generosity would be used for such a noble purpose? Just at the word of the disciples. These are some of the questions that, that run through my mind and, and encourage us to, to consider. In his book, And the Angels Were Silent by Max Lucado, He reminds us that each of us has a donkey's colt that the Lord needs. And he reflects in this book, there's a reflection on, on the idea of using what we own for the Lord's purposes. And if you've heard me preach for any length of time, you know I don't often use long quotes. But I'm going to today because it was so helpful to consider the questions that were on Max's mind. So bear with me. He writes... Sometimes I get the impression that God wants me to give him something, and sometimes I don't give it because I don't know for sure. And then I feel bad because I've missed my chance. Other times I know he wants something, but I don't give it because I'm too selfish. And other times, too few times, I hear him and I obey him and feel honored that a gift of mine would be used to carry Jesus to another place. And still other times, I wonder if my little deeds today will make a difference in the long haul. Maybe you have those questions too. All of us have a donkey. You and I each have something in our lives which, when given back to God, could, like the donkey, move Jesus and his story further down the road. Maybe you can sing or hug or program a computer or speak Swahili or write a check. Whichever, that's your donkey. Whichever, your donkey belongs to him. It really does belong to him. Your gifts are his, and the donkey was his. The original wording of the instructions Jesus gave to the disciples is proof. Quote, anyone asks, if anyone asks you why you are taking the donkey, you are to say, its Lord is in need. End quote. I went back and checked the Greek, and that's exactly what it says. Jesus tells his disciples, tell them, its Lord is in need. Now, whether the owners untied the donkey colt or not, it doesn't seem like a, a major turning point in the story of salvation, does it? But it was important to Jesus. He had need of it. And so he tells the disciples to go and get this specific, unwritten, pure colt. And if they encounter any questions, to say the Lord has need of it. And the animal was there just as he said it would be. The Son of God is doing here what he has done in his Incarnation. He's making use of his creation. It's not that he couldn't do things or or couldn't accomplish salvation except through them. It's that he makes use of creation. And he often does it through ordinary things in his creation. Jesus needed water flowing to be baptized in, he needed jars of pure water. To be transformed into one. His disciples would later understand that he made use of this cult in order to accomplish his mission, just as he would make use of the most excruciating instrument of torture the cross. The question is, what do you and I have tied up that the Lord wants to have untied and loosened for his purposes? That's the question of the morning. What is tied up in your life that you own and you possess that the Lord says, I have need of it? What is that resource that he says, untie it, loosen it now? I don't know. Maybe you don't know. Max doesn't know. So for the rest of the worship service, let's ask the Holy Spirit. Make that clear. What is it? At Neal'sville, we're working together to untie our resources and let them loose to share God's love. That's what we're all about. A couple of weeks ago, we we met as the the local uh, mission committee together uh, in the parlor to write a new mission statement. With, with Gail's leadership, and, and full disclosure, it sounds a little bit like Salvation armies. That's a good thing. There's no need to recreate the wheel, but listen to this. This is what we came up with. Motivated by the love of God, our mission is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and meet human needs in our community in his name without discrimination, perfect tens of thousands of dollars invested in local and global mission partners every year from this church tens of thousands more raised in special offerings and fundraising and subsidizing the work of every good thing from AA to Scouts to Camp Sunshine to Havana's Christianos the church that's planted here and the Brazilian uh, Presbyterian Bible Church that's, that's growing here Mission trips, food drives, clothing drives, ESL classes, tutoring at the junior high school, backpacks stocked with food and necessities for two junior highs so these young people don't go hungry over the course of a weekend. They have a backpack filled with their essentials to get them through. Street evangelism. Three teams out of Nielsville delivering food to St. Martin's Soup Kitchen every week. Jail ministry, Christmas boxes, knitting ministry, crisis pregnancy ministry, volunteers for Cara Dodd's single moms ministry. Now the brand new Mops ministry, rebuilding together, Breezy Acres, and many, many more hands-on, relational, coming alongside motivated by the love of God with no discrimination, we are letting loose our resources to make a difference in people's lives. Can I please get an amen? Amen. Oh, gosh. Goodness. This is good news. We're at Nielsville. The Holy Spirit is here. That's where we are. And friends, I need to let you know that we are so outward-focused in our church I think we're letting maybe all of the horses out. Our, our own home-based budget is behind 11%. I need you to know that. Our elders are praying that, that the Easter offering will help right that ship. But it's a good sign when we empty our pockets for the needs of others. The question is, what do you have tied up, protected, protected, maybe squirreled away, that the Lord right now is saying, I have need of it. Jesus' claim as Lord supersedes our rights of ownership, just as anything a king requires supplants those of his subject. If you call him Lord and King, this is what we're talking about. It could be that God wants to use your donkey's colt To enter a new area or to reach and rescue a desperate family in need of salvation? So the follow-up question is, will you hesitate and question or will you let it loose? Jesus knew what was happening that week. Just as he knew when he entered into the city, he would divide it. Continue to read Luke 9 and you can see how he weeps for the city he knows that Simeon, uh, Simeon's uh, prophecies being fulfilled, that he would divide people. He knew the Pharisees were going to get the upper hand. He knew the people's uh, shots of joy and celebration would turn, and they would turn against him. That Pilate would, would not see the truth staring him right in the eyes. And Jesus knew that he would be rejected and crucified. And that in a generation, that city would be all rubble. He knew these things. And yet he went. He went for one reason. For love. For love's sake. Christ gave his life that we might live with him and for him. And he wants us to share that love with others by serving in whatever way he calls us to. Jesus needed a cult in order for the parade to begin. There comes a time in our lives when every worship service, and every sermon, and every Bible study, and every mission trip, and every prayer, and every clothing drive, and every fellowship event, and every test, and every tear, everything in our souls is called upon. And the Lord, who doesn't really need anything, says, I have need of you. The parade will go on with or without us, but he's inviting you and me to play our part. The living God who has everything, who says in Psalm 50, every animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills, all the birds and fish to boot, not to mention the vast galaxies, of the universe, it is all mine. The God who has come to pay for the sins of the world, he says, I need your donkey's (laughs) colt." So friends, just when you thought that Christian life was sort of ho-hum, the quest that God places on you don't seem to be challenging you enough, or that somehow... You think your gift isn't big enough or significant enough? I, you know, I can't sing. What's the big, to usher? What's the, Is that enough? That might be exactly enough. He has need of it. Because he has his eyes set on you. On saving you, on giving you a new life, setting you on a new path to serve him, by serving others. So during this Holy Week and throughout your life, remember that. Remember that all of our needs ultimately are fulfilled at the cross and the empty tomb. And whatever the Lord asks of you in your life, be willing to let it loose. Let's pray. So Lord, we're we're thinking we're chewing on this or we're considering what the ramifications will be, what's the application and frankly Lord I, I don't have one there's no one, two, three because I'm just as clueless as your disciples were going down that mountain to go bring some direction to the owner of a cult but would you please make it clear to each of us what our assignment is what opportunities you've set before us. And God, through whatever it is, that you, however you use our, us, and however you use your saints, and you've used them in such powerful ways here in Yieldstown, Lord God, that we would do it all for your glory and for your majesty. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, please scan and open your bulletin and let's sing together, Majesty. <laughs>